0: unpacking a lot of that like trauma and a lot of that miscommunication and a lot of falling outs with my dad for me to say, okay, like I understand where those come from and I understand why I reacted and why he did what he did. And we all did the best we could at the time. And now here I am and I forgive him for all of it. I forgive myself for all of it. And now what do I do? Because I love him and I want to honor him in ways that I couldn't I was not able to. I did not have the tools, the capability, and the capacity to do that while he was here. So, how do I do it now?
1: Hello, and welcome to Grief, Gratitude, and the Grey in Between podcast. This podcast is about exploring the grief that occurs at different times in our lives in which we have had major changes and transitions that literally shake us to the core and make us experience grief. I created this podcast for people to feel a little less hopeless and alone in their own grief process, as they hear the stories of others who have had similar journeys. I'm Kendra Rinaldi, your host. Now, let's dive right into today's episode. Welcome to today's episode. Today, I have the the pleasure of chatting with my new friend, Angela Gentile. Angela and I connected via Instagram. Lately, I feel like we've connected with several people on that platform. Um, It's interesting with grief how you kind of just extend your circle because you do end up realizing that other people uh, that have gone through grief experiences or are in that journey of grief really can relate to what you're going through. So you extend this circle of friendships and connections in that platform, which is, has been a really interesting journey for myself. So Angela, welcome to the podcast.
0: Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I think I love that you said that. That, that Instagram, for all of its faults, Um, for all the negativity sometimes Mm -hmm. like there is beauty in in it if you know especially using it to connect in times of struggle and need and and to just gather information and I think especially when we're grieving it can be a very lonely and isolating process especially in your circle of friends if you're processing in a way that
1: the only one might might
0: not -hmm. might not make sense to other people it's really nice to connect when you see something familiar and oh I feel that way too so I just appreciate you having these kinds of conversations and inviting me to to join. So
1: thanks. Thanks for having I am, me. I'm so grateful that you are here. I'm so grateful that you're here. So tell us a little bit about you. I know you were a teacher for many years. Um, and then kind of shifted. So let's talk a little bit about the what the what you do, the what you did and do yeah, now. Sure. And then we'll, we'll go into an, other stuff.
0: Yeah, it's quite an evolution. So I was <laughs> kind of the worst best public school teacher that there ever was.
1: <laughs> um, okay, wait, wait, wait. Let's let the worst best.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Let's, like I, I was I was a really creative and and powerful energy. Uh, I always have been you know I think I came out the womb like that my poor mother and father like just had to—they <laughs> had their hands full with me I'm a I'm a Leo so like you know you you hear me before you see me kind of thing so yeah I was a, I was a, a public school teacher at high school um, for the majority of my time here uh, or in teaching wasn't spent in Boston and in the Boston public school system so yeah like I, I had a lot of great ideas I had a lot of creative things to do I was really passionate about like learning and, and inspiring and I think what happened over time is I really got pigeonholed uh, and a lot of that creativity got um, subdued you know and it was mm-hmm. I, I I think I when I when I was on and I was great like I had wonderful connections with my students and I still do I still talk to them I still see them they reach out all the time so that was beautiful but I think over time the more I... The more I grew up and kind of like started to f- get into myself a little bit, I started teaching, God, when I was like 22, 23, I'm a fetus, a you know, yeah. I was a
1: yeah, <laughs> a teacher. You got out of like, college early then. Uh, yeah, yeah. What, was, what, how old, old was, were you when you got out of high school then?
0: I was 18. So let me think like 24, 23 when I started teaching. Yeah, no, so that, I, I, yeah, I, like, you went straight. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Just yeah. graduated, you know, so yeah. And I think as I grew up and and, and started to kind of unfold myself, I, I I realized like I was not meant to be in this job and it was square peg, round hole. And I'm a really creative person, but I am mm-hmm. not an employee. I'm a boss. And the more that I get told what to do and the more and I look around, I'm like, I could do your job better. I was just, I don't want to play by the rules. And over time, I just got really angry, really burnt out, really bitter. And I was like, I don't want to do X, Y, and Z. I want to do A, B, and C. And those lives didn't really cross. So I just, it wasn't a match anymore. And I think that's what happens, you know, with a lot of things that you start really young. And as you mature and grow, some things just don't necessarily grow along with you, whether that's jobs, relationships, places,
1: hobbies, etc. So
0: yeah. And I think I didn't really well, realize. What you're like saying how, is
1: amazing.
0: Yeah, yeah. What you're
1: saying right now is so amazing because yes, you're right. It fits into so many different things, but so many people yeah. end up just trying and trying to true fix it or like to become then the square in the round pet, you know, or, you know, mold into that to be able to fit. And, and it's still, it's like feels so out of alignment and people feel unfulfilled, but it's because you really are not living in your true self. So you, so what, what shifted at what point did you're like, Whoa, I need to get out.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, I think, I think there are several instances where, the world was just giving me like little love taps on the shoulder being like, Hey girl, Mm -hmm. you might want to, might want to listen to these nasty things that are happening right now. And like make a shift, you know, like I would get in trouble. I would be Mm -hmm. very reactive. I have a personnel file, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. I was just angry. And I think the more that I was stuffing myself down, oppressing who I was, I was miserable. And that shows like, I didn't, the students didn't deserve that. I shouldn't have been there. I should have left. You know what I mean? So over time, like I just wasn't listening and I was just unhappy, but I didn't know what to do. And it was sort of that situation in the movie mean girls when it's like, stop trying to make fetch happen Gretchen. And I was like, I don't know what to do. I didn't know what else to do. Oh my gosh. It's been so
1: long since I've seen that. I'm, yeah, but it's we, been. It's but we been know so the rest. I've seen that movie. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I don't even remember that reference. I'm gonna have to go see it. <laughs> oh my god! Stop Again. trying to make
0: catch happen, so, yeah. so then, I had this <laughs> moment where I was like trying to do different things. I started a fitness business in grad school that I was just kind of like meandering around, playing with as sort of like a side hustle. Um, and I was like, I Mm -hmm. might be on to something, but I really wasn't ready to make the jump into doing like fitness and running my own business full time. I didn't believe that I I had something substantial to offer. And like I said, the world just kind of kept showing up. And the big thing that caused me to like multiple three sixties, like spin out car crash and look at my life was when my dad died. I lost my dad in December of 2015, uh, of a sudden aneurysm.
1: So tell, tell me, so, okay. So you were, the, you had been in grad school while you were, while you were in grad school, were you also still teaching at that moment?
0: Oh yeah. I was doing all the things I was,
1: Are you, so I, you're teaching I, I just,
0: all of it at the same time. Yeah. Cause I just kept thinking like, it has to be me, right? Like, like it's not mm. the job. It must be something wrong with me so that I can, why can't I do this job like being in an abusive relationship. You're like, oh, it must be me. Nah, baby girl. Mm-hmm. He's an asshole. Get out. Like that's this isn't you, you know? Mm-hmm. But I think I thought if I just did more and like got more qualified, had this thing, like did this lesson, took this trip, got this certification, like everything, it was all external. Everything was external rather than facing like the internal things that were going on and the complications of my own trauma and my own healing within me. I just put it outward into the world until my life rocked and my dad died and it forced me just like I said, multiple three sixties, like a spin out. And I was like, what?
1: Okay. what is so let's let's talk about that. <laughs> let's talk about what. So do you want to go into just a little bit of a of a picture of your relationship with your dad and then just how it was that you found out the news mm-hmm. and then we'll go into how that Ended up shaping who you are now. So, mm, okay, what sure. you get that call? Where were you on that on December eighteenth? Was it is that the day he got the aneurysm, or or was it mm-hmm. was it sudden? Was it? Yeah. Tell, tell me a little bit about that. So,
0: um, there were a few days leading up to it. Like he died on a Friday, so I want to say like maybe that Monday or Tuesday he mm-hmm. had a stroke, and my dad was only sixty five. And he was with my grandmother and my grandmother saw like his face droop and was like, oh my God, 911. And my dad was like, no, we're fine. Like he didn't even, he just I mean, that's one of the symptoms of a stroke is like to be in complete denial. Like you have no idea what's happening to you. So um they brought him to the hospital, he had a stroke, and I didn't get the phone call (laughs) that he was even in the hospital. My father lived like two hours away from me in like the western part of Massachusetts. So I didn't get the phone call from his and from his wife until like 10 p.m and I was like what like nobody told me and they're like he's fine he's okay and I was like all right forget mm, it figure out uh-huh. I'm right right because I they know that I'm emotional and then I would panic and I would like set the hospital on fire and like come in you know so they they waited <laughs> to tell me um around like 10 o'clock at night and I called out of work I until was you were
1: out of the until yeah, yeah. Were they out of the hospital at that point? They're like, let's call her when she were not in the hospital so no. she doesn't set the hospital on fire. <laughs> no, I love that
0: because that's like what I do to my mother. I'm like, let me tell her what I'm doing, this crazy shit that I'm doing after the fact. No, they told me, Um, I think once they realized like everything, like what was happening, like just gathering some information um, before, you know, they reached out and with next steps. So I came to the hospital like two hours away. Um the next day. And I was there like Tuesday, Wednesday. And yeah. And then my dad got relieved. Like, I mean, it, there's a huge long story in there, just kind of fighting with the doctors about, I don't know. They wanted to do procedure a and I was advocating for procedure B, but because my gut instinct was telling me procedure B. And then I had to have three mm-hmm. different doctors, mm-hmm. like this Doogie Howser motherfucker came in. I was like, Nope, who are you? Get out. I want the doctor. Like I was really, the pit bull mm-hmm. and the Rottweiler in this room, like advocating for my dad. But I think after three different doctors and my family was like, Angela, let's just do what the doctor says. I was adamant of like, uh, uh-uh, uh, I don't like that. I don't believe that we should be doing procedure a, I think we should do B. Am I a doctor? Absolutely not. Like, did I go on WebMD? Like I was a doctor. Absolutely. I just felt something in me call to n- to this particular, I was like, this isn't right. I don't like what you're saying. It's not right. My instinct was like red flagging it all over the place. But, you know, my dad was released. Um, I went home and he was released the next day. And as he was getting out of the hospital, I called him. And we chatted and he's like, you know, I'm quitting smoking. I was like, all right, well, finally, this is what it took. Awesome, dad, quit smoking, Mm -hmm. great. Um, and he was like, I'm going to get my patch. I'm going to get the pills and you know, that's it. And I was busy. I was like, all right, dad, that's awesome. Sounds good. I got to go. I got a jet. I'm going to teach this fitness class. I can't really talk. I'll talk to you tomorrow. I love you. And he's like, I love you too, honey. This is Thursday.
1: This is Thursday.
0: This is Thursday.
1: Mm.
0: And that's the last conversation that I have with my dad. So, and then Friday, um, I went to work on my routine, wash, rinse, repeat, like it normally was. And then right around like one o'clock on that Friday, the day that he died, I had this overwhelming and compelling urge. And this was like six period. And I was like, I need to call my dad. I don't know where this came Mm. from. And I like had to stop. And I was like, I can't call my dad in the middle of class right now. And I was like, Hey guys, we're going to just play some music. I was like, I just, I'm thinking of my dad right now. And I want to play some music. So I played, um, Chicago, like the band Chicago. Um, and then I was like, I got to call my dad after class. Mm-hmm. So three o'clock comes, my boss comes in and he's like talking to me about some crap. I have no idea. I'm like, I don't care. Like, please let me leave. I have to call my dad. And then things got away from me. I was going to an event that night, like, and I was getting my hair done and all that. I was putting gas in my car. It was right around like five o'clock. And I got a voicemail from my stepmom like once I got back into the car and she was crying and she's like, you need to come to the hospital. And I was like, Oh my God, my dad is dead. Nobody said anything. I, but
1: I just, I knew, I knew, but I didn't want to believe it. Cause you had been feeling it all day. All day. Cause you had I... been feeling it all day. But all day. You just, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So she, um, yeah. So I sat, I sat on my couch like in disbelief. I was like, no, he's fine. No, Angela, stop thinking like that. Like he's fine. Like I didn't, I didn't know anything. I didn't want to believe anything. It took me three hours to get into the car to drive. I had to have a friend drive me to the mm-hmm. hospital and sit on my, my cell phone. I was like, sit on this. I don't want to know. I don't want to know.
1: Mm.
0: I don't want to know. Cause I knew, you know what I mean?
1: I cause if you knew. don't know, cause kind <laughs> of like, if you don't know, it's not real. even though you knew exactly even, but then if not you're real. hearing the words then it makes it more real.
0: Yeah. Like if I don't go, if I don't, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like I was even it's like, should that, I just yeah. go to this You don't event? have to
1: face it. Yeah, you don't have. Yeah, to face I was it. like,
0: I should just shower yeah. and go to this event. Literally, you know what I mean? And wow, I was absolute, eerily like, calm. Denial. Yeah, in that moment. Yeah, mm. I was just very calm, like disbelief. You know what I mean? So mm. then I get to the hospital, and you know, I check in, and they're like, "Oh, you know," when you see the nurses go, "Oh, that's her," and I was like, "Oh, fuck." Mm. So they send me into this like private room, which I didn't even know that they had like a private waiting room. And I guess it's like for people in this situation. And like my whole family was there. I was the last one. Everybody was waiting for me. And the priest was there. Mm. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? I was like, uh-uh. No, 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 no. I am not religious and I, for any, I do mean no disrespect to anybody who is, but like that priest needed to get out of the way cause I was not very nice to him. And I was like, let me see my father. I don't need to pray right now. Um, yeah, and then I went into the room and my dad was on life support. And in that moment when I had my hand on the curtain and I, I pulled it open, there was a sound and a release that came out of me that I've I've I can't recreate and I can't I can't really explain and it was like
1: guttural guttural uh, guttural guttural completely yeah, yeah. sound. but
0: like part of yeah. me was gone mm. in that in that exhalation do you know what I mean mm. a part of my soul was like gone and the thing I said to myself and I maybe it was out loud I can't recall I just said I forgive you. You know our parents are not perfect. We are all saying, imperfect people.
1: Do you were saying to him? Yeah. You were saying to him? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Like I forgive you. Mm. I forgive you. Like the sound and I was just like I forgive you. And and I just said no, no and I was like on my knees next to the bed. And I just had my dad's hands. Like, this is so weird. My dad, as this athlete and golfer, had literally the softest hands. I did not inherit that gene. Um, I have like calluses and like chip nails. Like, I'm such a lady. But um, he had the softest hands. No just
1: calluses just, at all for him? I swear to God. No nothing. calluses from holding a golf
0: club? Wow. <laughs> he swear to God, like a baby's ass, just like soft. So I just remember being like on my knees with his hands, like, over my face, and I, Mm -hmm. I was just like, I never want to forget what this feels like. Mm -hmm. This will be the last time I ever touch my dad, like, I hold his hands, and Mm -hmm. I mean, it it might have, I don't really care how it looked, but, like, if you just imagine that scene of a 34-year-old woman on her knees next to a hospital bed with tubes in her father with his hands, like, all over her face, crying, sobbing, mm. guttural noises. You know? Um yeah, and then the doctor came in and my stepmom it was just me, my stepmom and the doctor. And he was like, you know, what would you like to do? I was like, what? What do you mean? And he was like, you know, I, I don't remember what he said. I he whatever kind of medical jargon whatever he was using. Basically, there was so much blood in his brain. He had a huge aneurysm and they could try to drain the blood. Um, And I said, okay. And I looked at him with every ounce of like honesty and integrity to advocate for my father. And I said, will he ever golf again? And the doctor was kind of taken back and like, (sighs) he wasn't being rude. Mm. Yeah. He wasn't being rude, Mm. but I think it was just like he was shocked at that. He just explained to me how complicated this was. And I was asking probably what was like an asinine question. And he was like, no, just shook his head and like made a face like, no. <laughs> and I said, okay. Mm-hmm. And I said, then my looked at my That's stepmom and she was like, what do you want to do? And I was like, okay, like this is my decision. And I said, I was like, he wouldn't want this. I was like, if he would never play golf again, like that was my dad's lifeline. That was what he did every day, all day. He was retired early so he could go and like be on the golf course mm-hmm. all day, every day. Like he would camp there. I think if you would let, if you let him, you know,
1: <laughs> if <laughs> yeah. his stepmom would
0: let him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anybody, his wife, his wife. Let him. <laughs> anybody would have let him, you know? Yeah. And, and they said, no. And I'm like, that's it then there's no decision here. Like we, this is it. This is it. My dad won't want to be on tubes. None of it. He wouldn't want that.
1: And so how long after that, then did they, um, that they unplug the, um, the, the, like an hour, what is it called? Uh, I don't don't even know. So uh, yeah, yeah, In that hour, you felt when you made that decision, you knew that it was a decision. You were advocating for him. So you felt at peace with that decision in that moment?
0: Yeah. Yeah. There was no other decision to make.
1: Oh, good. Good. Yeah. I
0: mean, and you can go back and you can replay. Like when we, when we look at like the text messages and who called him mm-hmm. and they're like, God, we, I talked to him around like one o'clock and I was like, get out of here. Hmm. So when we look at the timeline that when I had that moment where I was like, I gotta call my dad is probably when he died. Mm -hmm. And you know, had I called him and had he not answered after just being released from the hospital, I would have called my stepmom. My stepmom would have come home early, would have seen him on the floor, he would have gotten to the hospital earlier. But what? Would he have been saved? Like right, right, drooling, like being confined to a wheelchair. Like I, I I know that. How the the, mm-hmm. the course of events have unfolded is the way that they were supposed was to. how it had to be. And how it yes. had to be. How it yes. had to be. I can't, I, I mean, God, I, I could drive myself crazy of like blaming my boss for coming in and bombarding mm-hmm. me with something stupid or like not calling. But I do think my dad was sending me a message and he was saying goodbye. I do. And I, like I said, I mm-hmm. think had I called, what would have, what would have been? I I, I can't say. I know that what my life is now is because of him. And I have taken my life to mean something so much more than it was when I was sitting, rotting in a classroom being miserable. And, and I don't know, I think that's what he had to give to me to, to continue to pay it forward with his legacy through me. So I can't imagine anything wow. different, I can't. I mean, obviously would I want him here? And absolutely, it- absolutely. I just, that I don't, I can't, I don't know. How do you, how do you take the life that you're in that you've like adapted to and honored and also like want it to be different? I don't know anything else other than this.
1: Does that make sense? What you're saying is, yeah, absolutely. It makes sense. I mean, the name of this podcast is grief, gratitude, and the grain between. And with the part of gratitude that comes from that growth that we go through it could be growth, you know, whatever, or, or gratitude. It it doesn't mean that we wish, you know, that we're happy that somebody's yeah. passed away or that we're happy that something hard happened, yeah. but that we can see the wisdom be, behind that mm-hmm. and know that it was meant to be in that way yeah. uh, for us to be who we are now or certain things to turn out the way that they did. So, mm-hmm. how did you cope? With like, what was your first few things that you did when he died to be able to cope with your day to day and with that reality of not having him? That's tough. Present. Um, what were some of those things that you did?
0: I, I think it remember? didn't happen. It a blur? Is yeah,
1: it, a blur? it didn't
0: happen right away. Like I didn't like get up and like make a green smoothie. I didn't. I do remember because he died right before Christmas, you know. So mm-hmm. I already had his oh, Christmas present, Christmas. yeah, under the tree, the only Christmas present under mm-hmm. the tree, you know, and I just remember, because we had, so that was a Friday, and then we had to go to the funeral home, I want to say Monday, Sunday, yeah, and I was like, I'm not burying my dad, like, after Christmas, like, I want, like, this just needs to be, like, done. I'm not going to drag this out. Mm. I showed up at the funeral home like not showered, no bra. Like I think I was probably still wearing the same <laughs> clothes from Friday. Matter of fact, yeah I was. Mm. You know, I don't didn't brush my teeth. Like I di- like I, in a in a mess. I was a mess. Um and I'm very lucky that I had a handful of really good friends who dropped everything to be with me because I was the first one. I was only 34 um, out of my like immediate group of friends to have lost a parent. Oh, so, mm-hmm. but no, but like I took one for the team of like, Hey guys, this is how it's going to go down. This is what it looks like, you know? Um, but yeah, I don't think my process really started until after all the logistics were done. Like after the, the phone calls stopped and the sympathy cards stopped and the lasagna trays stopped coming, mm-hmm. like, because all of that was just distraction. And, And it wasn't until life resumed normalcy for everybody else. And I'm standing in ashes of an old life that doesn't exist anymore. And I was like, well, every, like, what the fuck, what do I do? I don't, what is my life right now? So it probably wasn't until like February, like a good two months after he passed when things like kind of just resumed and no phone calls and I was alone. Just me and my dog. Um, so one of the things that I did immediately, I don't know if it was healthy, but this is like what, how I, I coped. Like I went back to work right away. I live alone. So it was just me and my dog and I was single at the time. So I was like, I don't, what do I do? I can't sit in this house and like pace and cry. I was like, I need to go to work. And it was like a distraction, you know, but I would come home. And I would freak out about the dark. Um, like for
1: some reason, I thought that, that was not something. Hmm? That was not something you had before that no. had not been something you had. <laughs> no, i no, no, afraid before. Mm. no,
0: I mean, sure. Like, I don't want to be like in a dark basement by myself or like in a dark alley, but like the darkness of my own house that freaked me out. So I would turn on all the lights. And I, I think I thought that, my dad was just going to appear as a premonition and, and talk to me. And I was like, Oh my God, a ghost. Like I did not Like, what was he going to look like? A zombie? Was he dead? Mm. Was it going to, I, I, I couldn't wrap my head around this and I would sleep. I'm not even joking you like every single light in my apartment, like even in the living room, all the lights were on. I don't know. Like for some reason that was like what I needed to do to like even process what happened because I think the nighttime was the worst because it's when my mind was not distracted and I had to face Mm -hmm. the reality of his passing. And that's when it was the hardest.
1: So, yeah, because by you going back to work, it was one, you had been very busy before. It was not like you suddenly chose to let me get busy because I want to distract. It was already something that was part of your nature to be busy. You were already at work before. It was not something unfamiliar but it also just helped you not have to be in that sadness yeah. all day long it had you yeah. stayed home so mm-hmm. um so then yeah so tell us at, so then it's when so you went started going back to work that was kind of how you started to cope was just getting back mm-hmm. into the busyness. so at what point did you start seeing then cuz you you said something so powerful the standing in the ashes of the life i no longer basically had mm-hmm. um of, So what, what started to kind of see, like, what was, how were you perceiving your life at that moment now with this new reality? What, 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 yeah. What was, what was going on in your, in your mind?
0: I think, I, I mean, I think coinciding with the lights, there was a lot of, I would fall to my knees. Like I needed to be in like a hands and knees position and I would sob. I would throw up, I would, I would, I, I would collapse. And I needed to be like grounded on all fours. Um, and I think it was in that purging of emotions and loss. I had to really unpack some of the other things that were really deep. A lot of trauma, a lot of patterns, a lot of what the hell was this for why i would cry and i would just be like why and i would scream in the car by myself i would scream on my hands and knees why and i would scream my dad is dead like i had to scream it out loud as if it like like it needed to resonate and bounce off the walls so that it would resonate with me that he was gone so i think it was in that like purging of a lot of pain that it made me just say like what was this for? Why? My dad was too dope. He was too great of a man and maybe it had to allow me to understand that maybe I didn't appreciate him as much as I could have and build as strong of a relationship as I could have when he was here. So how do I honor him now? How do I how do I like say I'm sorry and how do I honor this man? who was so amazing and more amazing than I ever gave him credit for while he was here. How do I do that now? And I think when I started asking that question and it took me unpacking a lot of that like trauma and a lot of that miscommunication and a lot of falling outs with my dad for me to say, okay, like I understand where those come from and I understand why I reacted and why he did what he did. And we all did the best we could at the time. And now here I am. And I forgive him for all of it. I forgive myself for all of it. And now what do I do? Because I love him and I want to honor him in ways that I couldn't. I was not able to. I did not have the tools, the capability, and the capacity to do that while he was here. So how do I do it now? And I think when I started asking that question while crying on my hands and knees on my kitchen floor with all the lights on in my house, I was like, what am I doing? This isn't it. I'm not happy. I'm going to like, I have to honor my dad by like being brave. Cause I was like, I'm brave as fuck. If I survived this, if I am able to pick myself up off of my floor, shower and go to work and like, be okay. And not take my own life. Yo, I can do anything. I'm brave. My dad taught, he gave me this. He put this in front of me and he died to show
1: me that I am brave and that I can do anything. You are brave. I'm brave. That you could stand up. Yeah. You could stand up now for yourself and for your own life and what you wanted your life to look like Yeah. because you had already been able to face that. So what then made you completely do that 180?
0: I just wasn't again, it was like, what am I doing? I can conquer anything. Why am I doing what I'm doing? Oh, because I'm afraid to piss people off. I'm afraid to say no, I've picked up all of those mm-hmm. like female people pleasing like inherited reactions and responses to things like that aren't even mine. These are like generational shit that just has been bestowed on me.
1: And I'm like, I don't really want this carried, anymore. Yeah. You, you know? <laughs> yeah. It with you. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, for sure. Like, yeah. so I'm going to break it.
1: It's other um, people's stories. It's other people's absolutely. stories that you just carried along. Absolutely. Yeah. From exactly. generation upon so generation. Then, so I yeah. was like, and so then when you chose broke that pattern, what was the first thing you did? I quit. I quit my job. <laughs>
0: I mean, well, let me, let me back up. I made the decision to quit my job, but I'll be real honest with you. I wrote out a lot of sick time. (laughs) Cause I had like four months of sick time that I wasn't going to get paid for. And I was like, "Nah, that's not going to happen. I'm going to get paid for four months. So I took a lot of sick time in that time. But once I made the decision of like, this is it, I'm not going back. No, it was in like four months. I was just like, Nope, this is not it. I'm out of here. I can't, I can't do this anymore.
1: And it came from when a conversation you're supposed to do that. Did you have a, Oh yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I no. Music, I, can you I, hear me? Okay. Is my mic really low? Uh, I think it's just my
0: headphones. So sorry about that. Um, oh, okay, okay. no, 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 no.
1: It could just be that it's a delay. <laughs> okay. Good, good. Um, yeah, yeah. Tell, tell, tell us, tell us. I didn't have an exact
0: plan, but like I said, I was kind of teetering around with this fitness business and the side hustle. And I remember talking to my principal at the time who I actually liked. I was like, oh finally, someone who like isn't an ass and is like really competent, finally. Um, and we were sitting down and he was like, Angela, he's like, You're not happy here. And I just burst into tears. This is probably May of twenty sixteen. So like six months after my dad died, basically, and he's like, You're not happy. And I'm like, No, I'm not (laughs) He's like, What do you want to do? I'm like, I don't know. And he's he just looked at me like a like a dad. Like a dad. And he just said, Angela Sometimes you have to jump with or without a parachute. And I said, yep. you're right. You're right. And that's when I was yep. like, you yo, build I'm right on, on, on the way yep. down. And I said, you're right. And yep. it was in that moment that I was like, yo, I got no parachute. I have no plan. But like I said, I survived this. I'm surviving this. Like mm-hmm. I'm going to be fine. Nothing in this world will break me, please. Like, If I made all this money while I was like unhappy and broken, imagine what I could do as a whole centered, authentic person. I'm going to make millions, you know? So Mm -hmm. I was like, I got to get out of here. This isn't it. If if, if any second my life could be taken from me and I could drop dead on the floor from an aneurysm, what the hell am I doing? I got to get out of here. And I left. Mm -hmm. I quit. And I spent that summer because we get paid over the summer. And I was like, what, what am I doing? And I just kind of, I planned, I, I had all this money in the bank. Cause I was trying to live a life that really wasn't mine. Like get the good job. And I was going to buy a condo and I don't know if anybody knows what the cost of living here is in Boston, but like, you know, 500,000. I, yeah. I lived in the, I lived in Massachusetts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, a a yeah. whopping half a million dollars gets you like a 300 square foot studio. So like I was <laughs> I was ready to like buy something and put a down payment. And I was like, that's not really what I want. So I took a year Mm. and I was teaching fitness classes here and there, but I kind of took a retirement and I, I saved enough money to live comfortably for a year. And I was like, I have a year to figure this out and I'm just going to feel, and I'm going to listen to myself and I'm going to try and I'm going to fail and I'm going to be okay you know? So I took that pause for myself. I took, thank you. Thank you. I took a pause and a retirement to get away and regroup. What do I want now? What's this going to look like? Who am I? What's important to me? What do I value? What do I want to do every day? How do I make that happen? What's the plan? How can I execute something? Did that work? Watch, wash, rinse, repeat, you know?
1: And then, and then, so then what, after that year, then what, what evolved from that? You were still taking your fitness lessons. Now, Your classes now. Tell me a little bit because you had shared with me when we spoke Mm -hmm. about that um, that program that you had developed when you were in graduate school. Yep. Um, So that started to evolve again a year later, or how? Yeah. So that's kind of that's kind of what I ran with. So when I was in grad school, and like I said, I was
0: just sort of something I was playing around with as like a passion side project, and I started running wellness programs at schools. For teachers, because I was like, this job sucks. Everybody treats you like shit. Teachers matter. So I created this class that was very like mind, body, soul centered. And I was running it like illegally in my classroom. Like we would move all the desks and teachers would pay me, which anybody listening, like that's not okay to do. <laughs> um, yeah, and they were just paying me like 10 bucks a class, and we had a class full of teachers doing this like boot camp and meditation. And I was like, you know what? I think I'm onto something. If people are paying me to do this, right? Like how, mm-hmm. if they're paying me to do this, how can I continue to run with it? You know? Um, yeah. And then I was like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. So I got, I got contracted now that I was no longer like an employee of Boston public schools. Like I could go and work at schools and get paid. So, I would get contracted and I would have teachers pay me, or I would have the school pay me. So, I started running fitness programs at schools for teachers in the Boston area.
1: That's so. Yeah, it was great. And then. So, you still link because you saw the need. The thing is that had you not been in the school system for the years you were, you Mm -hmm. would have not realized that that was the need, you know, a need for these teachers to also keep their sanity. And it just. Help them be better teachers because they were having this, yeah. this. Hour? How long was it? Forty-five minute class. Forty-five, yeah, 45 minutes. Minute how, class. how long was the, the 45. class? Forty-five minute class to regroup and then be able to be more present for those kiddos. So absolutely. What what an amazing you know journey. So yeah, it took you back to the school system, even though you yeah. were out of it as a regular. You know. I, I do think you. Are I do think contracted. it was like a
0: natural progression, though, because I think. As, yes, as you're yes. pivoting, you keep like one foot where you feel comfortable, you know? And I was like, I, I knew that mm-hmm. world. I knew education. I knew the pain points. I lived it for almost 15 years, you know? So I think over time, again, as I continued to evolve and listen and pay attention and get to know myself and love and honor this newfound sense of self that I had coming from grief and, and coming from my dad and learning like what that meant. I kind of realized, like, I wanted to be as far away from education as I possibly could. And I, I I love teachers. I think they're amazing human beings. And I think a lot of our systems, education, corrections, healthcare, all of it are very toxic. And I just knew when I had those conversations about what I value, and how I want to feel, what I was doing didn't align with it. So I knew that it was time to keep moving and keep pivoting because I knew that like being in a school system, like wasn't the right fit, you know? But again, I think it was the natural progression. So out. Was the
1: next pivot? I took the class. Yeah. But it was that part of it. Your... Yeah. Okay. So you, okay, I took the ahead, class continue. and I branded it
0: and it's called sweat remix. And it's a remix of like hardcore bootcamp and meditation. And it's very mind, body, soul, Um, oriented and it follows the process of Zen Rage Heal. So Zen, we calm the mind, set an intention because everything we do shouldn't be just to do it. There should always be intention and purpose and meaning behind what we do. Like, why are we here? If we're going to set ourselves up to work out and we have 45 minutes to do something for ourselves, what's the intention? What will that look like, feel like, sound like? Let it take over your body and let's manifest it. Rage, work your body, like purge out anything that no longer fits so that that intention can fit into your energy space. And the same concept of being in that like uncomfortable, I got to do burpees for how long mindset is the same mindset that it takes to do the emotional growth, to do the healing, to go through grief. It's the same skill. It's the same level of discomfort. It's the same mindset to say, this is uncomfortable and I'm still going to be here. And the last part is heal. Oh, so after we rage, after we're in that discomfort, no what do we do? <laughs> yeah. What do we do with it? Cause I think a lot of people stop at rage. Mm-hmm. They stop there, mm-hmm. but now you have this openness in your body and without being protective of that openness and aware of that openness, you are just as susceptible to go back out into the world and fill yourself up with negativity, hate, toxicity, anger, insecurity, fear, and every other low vibrational energy that keeps you stuck exactly where you are. So without that meditative food for thought, mindset, mantra talk at the end of class, like that's what fills you up. That's what puts back and and patches those holes where we feel empty so that we are coming from a place of internal calmness and wholeness That everything we need is already within us, and there's no need to seek external validation. Like, I got this. And again, so much of this, this Zen Rachel process came through my grieving process, you know? And it was just the best way that I could think of to honor my dad. This is my dad. This is what he taught me. This is what he's given to me to help change the world, to help change other people, to help change the way we look at ourselves as humans, to the way that we move with intention. So that was sort of how Sweat Remix came to be. And it started off as something I was doing so that I wouldn't have to correct student work. <laughs> I could run a wellness program during my grad school mm-hmm. thesis to a really succinct, meaningful, purposeful, and authentic way to honor my dad and to up the vibrational energy that this world needs so badly right now.
1: Oh, this is so so good. How I'm like, can we take a class even if we don't live in Boston? Like, how does it work? Yes! Like, do you have any online programs? Okay, share a little bit yeah, about that, so, and then we. I want you to share before we get off. Don't forget to share a little bit about the Big Sister Coaching sure, too. So yeah, tell me um, yeah, a little so, bit about the Sweat Remix.
0: So I, I I was teaching it just kind of like building brand awareness, like locally, you know, so I would go into gyms and I'm like, Hey, I got this class. What is it? What do you do? And I'm like, yeah, I just felt like I didn't have a website. I didn't have an, I have nothing. And I would just kind of like make my presence, my very big presence
1: known. And you'd go to Shark Tank, they'd like kick you out the door. No proof of concept yet. What are you talking about?
0: I had nothing. (laughs) I had nothing except like a persona of like Angela wears crazy pants and like a fanny pack. Anybody who knows me, I love me a fanny pack. I hate purses. I hate backpacks. Give me a fanny pack. So I had a very like unique look. So I think my persona, my look, my, the way that I moved energy and the way that I moved people. Yeah. Just really got um, traction and that's how I built the brand. That's how I built the name. Um, And then when COVID happened and everything shut down, as terrifying as it was, it was kind of the best gift that I could have given myself, that the world could have given to me because it allowed me to shift and pivot. And now, instead of being contracted and Uh working at gyms and stuff, I'm in control. So all of my classes are online now. And I even hired and trained a new instructor. So we're growing, we're scaling and everything is all online, so you can take it in your living room. I have meditation. So there's a 21-day um, Days of Zen meditation where you can just really get some clarity for the next 21 days of, like, unpacking what your trauma is, what holds you back, reshifting your mindset, managing your anxiety. Um, rage, work out with me. I have on-demand workouts. And then I host um, three classes a week right now. Um, all online on my website. And then I am building out and I will be launching in October, which is a fully independent online course called the Transformative Guide to Being Epic. And it is everything that I have learned on how to be in this skin, in this space, how to cope, how to live purposely, how to live intentionally. And I've put it into an online independent course with videos and a workbook. And I go live with that in October. So, Zen Chill, process is all over my Sweat Remix website. So, anybody who wants Whoa. to take a class, come through.
1: <laughs> wow. Well, I'll make sure to put that, you know, all your data on the, all the info on the show notes so that people can go to your website. Um, yeah, thank and you. And also find you on Instagram and all that kind of stuff. But um, that is just amazing. Like just yeah. that, you know, really, really 180 that you mm-hmm. did, and the passion and the the I, I can't imagine you having been the person that you were describing yourself to have been before. Cause no. you know, like that anger or something, you know, like, right. Just I just can't imagine that because that is not who I know right now. I <laughs> know, but so it's, I think it's when we
0: look crazy. back on, yeah. on many iterations of ourselves, we do the best we can with what we have at mm-hmm. the time. And at the time that was the best that I yes. could do. But in this evolution, I quit three years ago and I have completely changed my life and and how I view the world and how I show up and how much I love myself. And I think mm. like why I've chosen to even pivot a little bit more, like as my brand and fitness has become more sustainable, I think now I'm finally in a place as a human being who is still processing her grief, will always be processing her grief, but is ready to have yes. bigger yes. conversations about it and when i launched my newest venture which is big sister coaching um, this is for women who are just like me who have been miserable, angry, repeating toxic patterns and just like on the precipice of wanting something more for their life but are opening up their toolbox and seeing that there's a jolly rancher in there and maybe a couple paper clips and they don't have what they need to jump off the cliff with or
1: without a parachute you know so you, you mean they, they can unless they're macgyver unless they're macgyver they can do something with that paper yeah pen. and even then that's
0: debatable <laughs> he always caught something on fire you know what i mean yeah
1: true true oh, so yeah so you're you're there to be part of that you're there to be in their toolbox you're there to be yeah. able to give some of these uh yeah. tools that have worked for you Absolutely. people that are going through that grieving. Yeah. Process. And who've
0: experienced
1: so, like uh, a
0: major loss, whether that yes. is like the loss of their job, the loss of their, a loved one or the loss of their self
1: in major transitions in our life, even happy ones, because yeah. there's still a sense of losing who yeah. you were of that identity component that's there. So I totally can relate to that. And it's so interesting because. I thought I was like, oh, maybe I'm the only one that thinks this way. And no, I'm not the only one that thinks this way. The more I have these conversations yeah. openly about grief, I realize that so many other people believe that way as well that grief, you know, is happens in many areas of our life. Right. So in in that way then how long have you been doing big sister coaching then? So 3 years with Sweat Remix big sister coaching? How long has it been Um, with this venture? It
0: really just new. Like I started it in COVID. Like I said, when things paused, I was like, Oh God, my body can rest for a minute. (laughs) You know, like teaching, I was teaching like 15 classes a week, girl. I'm, I'm 39 years old. Like we're not, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? Like we can't do this. This is a young girl's game. So I was like, what, where am I? Like when I started this, I was just so eager to be like out and about and active and moving. And again, as you listen and you continue to pivot, like where my heart and my soul is speaking to me to have more honest, connective and vulnerable conversations that expand beyond fitness. So that's like what I've learned in in COVID and in quarantine is that I've pivoted again and like following my heart to say, hey, you don't have to suffer like I suffered. I fucking suffered. I spent the majority of my, all of my 20s and the majority of my 30s suffering. And God, if I could have these conversations, if I could be that big sister, I don't have a big sister, but if I could be the big sister to help someone else, just give you the tools to say, Hey girl, if, and when you're ready, Here's what I can offer you. And you got this. And all it is, is just being able to activate the tools that you now have in your toolbox that I sure as shit didn't have, that I had to suffer to get, you know?
1: Mm-hmm. That you had to go through a major, major grief moment. Yeah. Like yeah, and it was coming out of just the grief. like awakened those. Yes. Yeah. It yeah. was coming out of the, yeah, it awakened, it awakened yeah. the the susceptibility to these mm-hmm. tools that you probably had. That's the thing a lot of these things you had, you oh, just it's had already to within you. be it's able to awaken you. them. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. just had to awaken them. That's what yeah, you, you can't, it like you can't, you can't tape. even,
0: it's like cleaning out your closet. Like you can't make space for something new until you get rid of this stuff. that doesn't work for you anymore. Yeah, yes. Yes. You know, you don't wear that yes. anymore. It's, Why are it, you keeping that? It doesn't fit. It's got stains, throw it out, get rid of it, give it away. It's not yours. Make space, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think it wasn't until grief forced me to make some serious space in my life, you know, so then I could start filling up my closet with new cool shit.
1: (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. And now relationships wise and so forth too, like has your circle changed a little bit? Friendships, family, all the dynamics, how have they changed since you've kind of shifted or basically awakened the real Angela?
0: Everything. Because like you just said, you can't imagine that person that I said that I was like angry, reactive, like negative. I mean, you don't attract what you want, you attract what you are. So that was my circle. So as I continued Mm. to grow, that didn't serve me anymore. I didn't want to be in that space. I didn't like those people. I didn't like that feeling. I didn't like, it was, it was toxic. And, and, and I just didn't want that anymore for my life. So I spent like a year kind of getting rid of some people and and shifting and moving and now the people that i have in my life are like a whole new ball game of folks you know
1: mm-hmm. up
0: leveling up leveling yeah yeah we bit, have yeah. They're, the they've energy. also yeah. been through something you know i have friends who've mm-hmm. had some really gritty situations in their life not necessarily loss but just some really trying situations that have allowed them the space for real, honest empathy, because that is a non-negotiable. Because I think when you're going through grief, that is the one thing that you definitely need. And until you've gone through a situation that requires you to need empathy and therefore give empathy, you can only meet people as far as you've met yourself. So if you haven't gone through anything to really need that, that empathy, then there's no way that you can give to me on the level that I need and that I'm able to give to you. So my circle has definitely shifted and the roots are deep. The roots are deep. It's small.
1: And that isn't such a short period. Yeah. But it's, and it's such a short period of time. That's just the beginning of yeah. what it's going to continue to go. Cause it's only been in the last three years, right. That you've kind of started to make these change. Well, it's been almost five years since your father's passing, but in terms of like really making all those shifts, three to four years or so that you've been making these changes. Yeah, uh, imagine what is to come. Still, imagine yeah. what is to come. Because as I you can't start wait. Kind of clearing those energies. Yeah, ah, that's so exciting. I can't wait. Well, it's awesome. It is so amazing. <laughs> it's amazing, like to be able to have that hope. You know, like it's so early on, even still after his death, that you can already feel grateful for the life you have now and for the life you had too cuz had you not gone through yeah. that yeah you he would was, not be who you are you know where you are now this was the
0: greatest gift i mean my father was not very good at giving gifts let me i'll just tell you this this story real quick my father god bless him he had every year i was like why does he buy me like the ugliest shit like golf stuff i'm like dad like i don't please You know, it would be like a golf, like a paperweight, like a golf shirt. He's like, that's a nice shirt. It's Tiger Woods. I was like, dad, I don't care. Like, I don't want this. Thank you. But I don't want this. Come to find out, my dad, like, didn't go to the mall. I don't think my dad even knew what Amazon was. Like, Fred Flintstone, like, he didn't know. My freaking father bought all of your Christmas presents and all of your birthday presents at the pro shop. At the golf course. That's
1: where he (laughs) shopped. Like. (laughs) Because that's where he lived. That's where he lived. lived. So that was the only store he'd go through. Yeah. And if he lived in those clothes, he figured others could live in those clothes as well. Or have a paperweight that was a golf club or golf ball. Even if they didn't play golf.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So. Like, the year yeah. that he he
1: bought me his Chris, the Christmas presents,
0: obviously, before he passed away, and my stepmom gave them to me, and they're in, like, the Cranwell, like, pro shop bag, and that's when it dawned on me. I was like, he's been buying me stuff mm. from the pro shop my whole life. <laughs> like, like, you know? Um, but like I was saying, so he wasn't necessarily, like, the best physical gift giver, <laughs> but I will say that this mm-hmm. is the best gift that my father has ever given to me. I think it's the most precious gift that a father can give his daughter is to teach her how to live. Cause I wasn't living. Mm. He taught me how to live.
1: Do you feel him? Do you feel his, In and the things you do, do you feel, you know how you were saying, <laughs> like you were kind of feeling those tops in mm-hmm. your life. you felt Several times in your life, like a tap, like you should have kind of gotten out of certain situations. Like, for example, when you were working and kept yeah. on doing something that was not your yep. soul's calling. Do you feel those comforting kind of little taps and little messages or things through your life now? I don't think
0: they're very fleeting. I think it's just a constant, like, it's very consistent. Like, I'm him. I didn't notice it mm. as much when he was here when he was alive, like I didn't look at my dad and say, Oh my God, I look just like you. I, I didn't see it. But I look in the mirror now and I'm him. I have his eyes. I have his face. Like I'm him. I do his mannerisms. Like, again, I didn't, I didn't pick up on these things while he was here, but like, I'm Nikki Gentile's daughter. Like he's me. We're the DNA. It's, this is the energy. Like he, doesn't send me messages. He lives in me. He lives through me, you know? So I don't feel like I get these like signs every day. I just know that he's me.
1: I'm him. Yes. Like you just feel, you feel that connection mm-hmm. always. It doesn't have, it doesn't no. have to be just picking up a phone and calling him like it was before. It's just that constant right. knowing right that you just are carrying this energy with you all the time. Yes. Mm-hmm. I completely can relate all the to time. that. That you're just yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean look, I would love to have more dreams. I would love to have like I've had one dream, you know what I mean, where I felt like my dad was there. I would love to have those. And I also think like this is a pretty magical place to be too. He's here, he's me, Mm -hmm. he's in me, you know.
1: Mm -hmm. Oh, so beautiful. Thank Thank you you so much. And for honoring Nikki Gentile uh, as well by sharing (laughs) Thank your story, you. his story through you and uh, and for all the things that you are doing now of paying it forward and making everybody else's life a little bit better just because <laughs> of the things that have been birthed through this, you know, all the things that have been birthed through the ashes that you were saying at the beginning, standing yeah. in the ashes of what your life was once and then shifting completely. And, uh, and you are brave. You are brave. And the fact that you chose to leave your job the fact that you chose to pivot and pivot and pivot and keeping on stretching into what your potential is and it, I think we have yet to really see what, what it, <laughs> Listen, it fully is yet you're just beginning you're just beginning
0: <laughs> I have on my, I don't know if you saw my Instagram post today but I have like all my manifestations no. like on post-its like on my wall and I am meeting Oprah like I already have, I have written it down. What I'm wearing, what she's wearing, what we're talking about. Like that's happening. i It's already in motion. It is already that, on its way to me. I know it.
1: <laughs> that is so. Awesome. I'm gonna have to look and I'm gonna have to look at it. I dreamt with Oprah one time. I dreamt with Oprah and I was like and I was like oh and it was so. I was actually so comfortable in her presence in my dream. It was not like starstruck. I was yeah. really comfortable. There was that. When I woke up, I just felt like, oh, I just hung out with Oprah in my dream. And I actually. That's what I mean. Like, hey, Star girlfriend, friend, like sitting so down at your, at your
0: kitchen table having a coffee. You know, that's what it is. So, yeah. Like, if we're just so going to awesome. kick it. Like, maybe like, Michelle gonna, Obama look- will be there. I don't know. I don't know.
1: <laughs> just hanging out. Just, just hanging doing. out. Yeah. They're doing your, they're taking your class, girl. They're taking oh your class. They're probably taking your sweat remix class who That's knows what's My, yeah. i bet i bet michelle will do she'll do a little playlist you know she does the spotify playlist i think some i think there's some spotify yeah 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 yeah, michelle yeah. Obama do does. yeah so she'll it. probably have her own like you know she has her work yeah she'll do her sweat remix playlist of what Perfect. songs she listens to while she's doing her sweat remix <laughs> michelle obama if you yeah, listen to this
0: I'm, i will gladly use your playlist at class so just come through okay thanks <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Well, thank you, see you so here, much. We're
1: manifesting even more.
0: That's it. <laughs> thank
1: you. Thank I you. I appreciate
0: <laughs> you having me on here and continuing to open the door and to hold space in this platform for us to share stories about loss and, and moving through it and finding our purpose. Like I I'm, I'm so appreciative. I'm so grateful to have met you and to connect with you and for you to do this for, for me, for my dad and for every other grieving human on this planet.
1: So thank you so much. Well, at least whichever other grieving human that ends up listening to the podcast. So whichever other grieving human that listens to the they podcast, I, I know that they'll get uh, a lot of, lot of knowledge from what you just shared. And it's just not, and not just about, you don't have to go through necessarily something as hard as you did in order to really be in tune with who you are, right? It's just a matter of That was my taps and like on the shoulder. Yeah, that was yours. Yeah, and and others they will kind of be like, oh my gosh, yeah, I felt those taps. I felt those taps, and I have not listened. So just just listen. That's really really the. The aha kind of moment as a pro, say my yeah. aha moment. Listen um, and be brave so and you just jump. Again. That's it. Yes, Listen, be brave. Yes, jump. jump and build the bear- Yeah, that's it. build that. Shit build on the, the way now. the the parachute with the paper cut and the jolly rancher and the <laughs> jolly rancher in your purse. <laughs> I,
0: yep, let's say You open your toolbox. You're like, yep, it'll all make sense now that I said that analogy.
1: People are gonna be like, oh, I get it. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Thank you once again. Okay. Thank you. Thank you again so much for choosing to listen today. I hope that you can take away a few nuggets from today's episode that can bring you comfort in your times of grief. If so, it would mean so much to me if you would rate and comment on this episode. And if you feel inspired in some way to share it with someone who may need to hear this, please do so. Also, if you or someone you know has a story of grief and gratitude that should be shared so that others can be inspired as well, please reach out to me. And thanks once again for tuning in to Grief, Gratitude, and the Gray In Between podcast.